0: Open your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus chapter 32, a very familiar portion of God's Word. We're going to read the first 20 verses and then um, read three more towards the close of that chapter. So, you follow, uh, as I read in your copies, of that which you know to be as well as I, the very inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of the living God. Exodus chapter 32 at verse 1. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And The Lord said to Moses, go down. For your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. And said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back. They were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Now at verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord, perhaps I can make atonement for you, for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please, blot me out of your book that you have written. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, oh, that endures forever. You know, folks, what could be more appealing to the, to 21st century Americans than a good, hot party? I mean, uh, we, we love to get invited to parties. We, uh, we love parties. We, we hate it when we get left out of the invitation list for a party. We're party lovers. We're party crashers. We're party animals. Uh, I mean, we, we, we know people who will spend $300,000 to have MTV come film a Sweet 16 party. You know, a couple of three years ago or so, um, I made a statement to a friend that I wanted to, I wanted to understand the, the youth culture of today better. And so he, he made this observation. He said, well, I can tell you how to do that, Jimmy. He said, uh, my daughter, who's a teenager, um, she loves OC. That's a television show. It's off now. But do uh, you remember OC? Uh, I think it stood, I could really be embarrassed here. I think it stood for Orange County. And um, so his daughter had bought this, the whole series. I mean, you know, the year one, year two, year four, year six, year, you know, she bought it all. So he gave me a set of the, the the DVDs to to watch a whole year's worth of O.C. So over a couple of days, I watched a year's worth of O.C. And, you know, <laughs> you know, in every episode, there was a party, a party of some kind. I mean, there was there were graduation parties and there were summer parties and there were beach parties. There were, it was, in every episode there was a party and And the wilder, the better. I mean, the the best parties were the ones where there were there were no adults, loud music, plenty of alcohol, hot babes, cool dudes, and if you were lucky, they would call the police. I mean, if you if you happen to get invited to one of those, those sometimes qualified as what we call an orgy. Now, an orgy is a party squared. An orgy is a party on steroids. Um, th- those are the ones that are really really fun. I mean, we have, uh, just hearing about those those things those those orgies excite us. Uh, you know, our kids, I don't know if you know this or not, mom and dad, but our kids have spent not a few Friday nights looking for those things. Even if they have to go to a field, you know, just an open field to find one. We love reading or hearing about those things because, because casting off all restraint. Why, that's, that's the epitome of fun. We gorge ourselves on the escapades of, of Paris Hilton and, 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 and her ilk. And, and, and envy people who get to attend those things every now and then, you know. Um, just wishing that we could get invited just, just every now and then to one of those really hot ones. You know, gang, in, in the commercial appeal. It seems like it's every day, but I I, I could be wrong about that. But at least three times a week, they've got a whole section devoted to the parties that have been uh, taking place around town that we didn't get invited to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, the Bible describes a party, too. Right here in Exodus chapter 32. Did did you see uh, they heard all the the loud singing and the dancing was going on? But the the key words are found in in verse 6, the last half, uh, 6b, where the language is, And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Folks, those words are idiomatic. In fact, those words are picked up and brought into the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. Paul uses that language, quotes that language in 1 Corinthians 10. The people sat down to eat and drink, and then they rose up to play. You got yourself a, um, a party on steroids right here in Exodus 32. You know, gang, through this story in Exodus 32 about a party, God gives to us some information that is vital. It's it's information that he hasn't made clear heretofore. That is, what you find out in Exodus 32 is, Uh, It may be somewhere back in these earlier chapters, but there is a piece of definitive information that he's going to give you here that hasn't yet been revealed prior to Exodus 32. And it all comes to us by way of a party. Um, Through this event, Moses learns things. Israel learns things. And hopefully, there are some lessons for us as well. Lessons that that become clear because of a party. Here's lesson number one that you learn from this event. The lesson is, when the cat's away, the mice will play. You know, um, I don't know who it was that authored that aphorism, but boy, it is a true insight to human nature, is it not? I mean, why is it that um we will not speed if we know that the police are around, or even if mother's in the car um, we're not going to cheat if the teacher's in the room, and uh you know that we we always have to wait until Mom and Dad leave before we uh you know. And, and, and I wonder how many there are of us that are honest about it on our 1040s just because we're afraid of an audit. We're all a bunch of Eddie Haskells. Now, do you remember Eddie Haskell? So many of you will not because you're too young, but back in the 50s, there was this TV show called Leave It to Beaver. And one of the characters on Leave it to Beaver was a guy by the name of Eddie Haskell. And Eddie Haskell was a little demon. He was a demon. But Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver, who were, you know, Beaver's mom and dad, Beaver Cleaver, you remember? Well, Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver loved Eddie Haskell. Because Eddie Haskell was always doing the right thing when they were around. And he... It became almost a, a a byword in the in the, uh, the the series. And when Eddie Haskell would say, "Yes, Mrs. Cleaver," and then Mrs. Cleaver would leave the room, and he would turn out to be a demon. Well, gang, Eddie Haskell is tame compared to some of us. Guys, what I'm saying is, you know you did notice, didn't you, when I read this, that this party erupts because the mice, I mean the, 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 the cat's away. Moses is the cat, you know? And he's away up, up on the mountain, you know, getting the Ten Commandments, and, and the people say, Well, <laughs> I mean, what was what, his name? I forget his name. Where where's he gone? We we don't know what's become of him. Forget him. And while the cat's away, the mice, oh, they break out into a big old party. Pretty ugly one. As a result of Moses' absence, a party erupts. And, and that tells us a whole lot, I think, gang, about their insides and our insides. Because this text doesn't include that statement, when the cat's away, the mice will play. It's not, I didn't find that in here. But it's become a part of our awareness because it's the truth. When the cat's away, oh, we mice. Why? There's no telling what. Will break out, and you know what that says, guys? It it says that at the center of our being, there's a considerable amount of just pure darkness. We're drawn to the forbidden. We um, there's certain there's a certain magnetism about sin to us, the illicit. Such that once we're not being watched, we do some things that we wouldn't do if we were watched. You see, guys, the problem is not on the outside. The problem is on the inside. The the problem is not the orgy on the outside. The problem is the orgy on the inside. That's the problem. In fact, you do understand this, don't you? This is a simple truth, but our behavior on the outside is simply a reflection and allows us to see better what's on the inside. You know that, don't you? We, we hate restraint. We want verse 6b. We, uh, we hate the word no. And authority figures and, and even authority itself, we despise it. And the word stop, that's almost as bad. Now, guys, add all that up. Uh, we love an orgy. We, uh, we don't like restraints. And when authority figures are gone, we'll do things that we wouldn't do when we were in watching. And all that happened. And what does it tell you about us? What does it tell you about the inside workings of our own arts? That's one of the lessons that are in here, is in here ladies and gentlemen. Here's the, here's the second lesson. And, and really, this is the good news, I guess. The second lesson is that we're all very religious people, because you know, Moses goes, uh, leaves, and at verse two, and they're coming to Aaron and say, "Hey, you need to get us another God. I mean, we're we're godless right now. You know, we've got to have a God because uh, you know we we all worship something. Uh, Moses' absence has created a spiritual vacuum. We've got to have us a God." Okay, when when God is not our God, we don't have no God. No, no, no. We we, we create one. And, And in this instance, God is thrown away and a cow is put in his place. Actually, it's not a cow. It's a calf, just a baby cow. Instead of the God who made me, I want the God that I made. But everybody's got to have a god and and with some gods orgies are perfectly allowable and not only allowable they're even they're even encouraged, but apparently not with this other God this yahweh God so folks um take a guess which do you think is the most popular the um the pro-orgy God or the anti-orgy God? <laughs> well, I bet, you got, I bet you know that one. But unfortunately, um, there's, something, there's a strange thing about this, this God-making business. Um, Psalm 115 says this, those who make them become like them. You see, there's there's an unfortunate thing about the God-making business. We tend to become like the gods that we made. So, that means that your choices on the outside tell us which God you have on the inside. Pro-orgy on the outside simply means that there's a pro-orgy God on the inside. People choose the calf-like God because He allows them to do what they really want to do. And what they really want to do is to live a life without restraint. You know, Mom and Dad, some of our kids... They can't wait to get out from underneath you so that they can head off to some college campus and live a life without restraint. You know, I know you read with horror as, as I did. It was, a, it was a horrible, horrible story. I mean, Susie and I have had two pretty bad days of late just because our son-in-law was almost murdered. But this story, the young girl was murdered. It's a terrible. You can only imagine. i mean i've 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 hurt for them just this weekend. Do you remember the the young girl, pretty blonde girl who, on her senior trip, went to Aruba a couple of years back? and they they still haven't found her or her murderer? Horrible. I, I mean, Oh, what grief a set of parents must experience. But one of the upsetting things about that whole story is, do you know where she was the last time she was seen? She was lying drunk on a bar, and some guy was drinking jello shots out of her navel. Guys, I don't know what a jello shot is, but it couldn't be good. Gang, if it's, if it's restraint-free living that you want, or if it's restraint-free living that you live, you need to understand that you've told us a ton about your insides. And, and by the way, that calf God, <laughs> he's definitely for you because we all worship something and that's the one you that's the one you want if you want to live restraint free you know it was interesting to me reading this story and realizing that the orgy is going on at the bottom of the mountain at the bottom of the mountain simultaneously at the while at the top of the mountain god is giving to moses the law it's almost as if these people could could smell where this Moses was going to take them. They're, it's like Hey, hey, hey y'all, hey y'all. You know what when Moses gets back, we're not going to be able to do any of uh, this. You remember on the Ten Commandments what the first commandment was? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first command. God is up there writing that very thing while at the bottom of the mountain, precisely what he's writing is what they're doing. (laughs) And um, once you throw away that God, then it's pretty much inevitable that an orgy is going to break out. These folks exchanged Yahweh for a cow. Uh, again, not even really a cow, just a, a baby cow, a calf. How insane is that? Oh, it happens all the time. It's no more insane than what some of us have replaced him with. Now, guys, at this point, the story takes a very... Abrupt, scary turn. And in fact, the lesson that is the third lesson is something that heretofore the Bible has not yet made clear. But it's about to give us some clarity now over a very important subject. So stay with me. Here's the third lesson. In, in, In the face of all that's happened... What's a God to do? Well, that depends on which God you're talking about. Uh, if you're talking about the calf God, He loves a party as, as, as much as we do. Because He knows that a life lived without restraint is a life that will conclude in destruction. You know, uh, one of the real hip authors, actually, she's an authorette, I guess. It's a woman. One of the real hip authors these days in the Christian community is a woman by the name of Anne Lamott. And guys, um, uh, understand if you read Anne Lamott, there's some crudities in there. There's some things that you might going to raise some eyebrows. But I mean, she's really quite fascinating to read. But um, one of the things that she said that is just that I thought was wonderful. She said, we're not punished for our sins. We're punished by them. We're not punished for our sins, we're punished by them. And some of us know all too well what she means. Our sin that we chose because we wanted to live restraint free. It's left deep wounds. Deep wounds. And that's what the calf God wants. He wants to destroy. But this other God, this this Yahweh God, his reaction is different. You see it there in verses nine and ten. And folks, it is pretty scary. He in essence says, Get out of my way. Leave me alone. So that my wrath can burn hot. And he's saying this to Moses, and Moses knows all too well. I mean, he knows firsthand what the wrath of God, he watched him, uh, he watched as God did that to Pharaoh. Guys, um, this is ugly. This is a very volatile scene. Some heads are going to roll. Don't look. Because this is not pretty. And then in the midst of that, which brings us to our fourth and final lesson, Moses says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. No, 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 no. Um, um, I, I, you, you can't do that. You, you, um, 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 you, 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 you don't want to do this, God. Uh, And then he takes himself and he places himself between a guilty, sin-loving people and a rightfully angry, sin-hating God. And he looks at that God as he stands in between him and them and he says, wait, 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 wait. No, no, we can't do this. You can't do this. Don't do this. And he begins to plead for this people who deserve nothing but wrath at the hands of this God. He 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 stands in between them and intercedes for a stiff-necked, sin-loving people. And he pleads for them on the basis of two things. Number one, they're guilty. Look over at verse 30. They have sinned a great sin. There's no attempt to deny that. The other thing that he pleads is his willingness to die in their place. He says in verse 30, you have sinned a great sin and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps. can make atonement for you. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. He's their only hope. Because Moses is the only one that didn't participate in the party. I mean, um, God says, let me get rid of them and I'll make a great nation out of you. Right after I obliterate all the party goers. I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Moses. And and Moses says, no, 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 no. And then, again, in verse 32, but now, if you will forgive their sin, then there's that blank in there. But if not, blot me out punish me for their sin. They've sinned a great sin, God. There's no, there's no getting around that. We're all in agreement over what they deserve. I'm not here to plead with you about what they deserve. I'm simply saying, God, would you punish me instead of them? And to that request, God says, No, because as good as you are, Moses, you're not good enough. And centuries later, God would do exactly what Moses requested. But he would do it to Christ. Guys, it's at the cross of Christ that we simultaneously see an expression of God's love and of God's anger. In essence, God's anger makes things better. This this God who is slow to anger is sacrificial in the distribution of it. Folks, these people in Exodus 32 they are alive because of Moses. They owe their life to Moses. Without Moses, God would have destroyed them. Had it not been for Moses, they would all have perished in their party garments. But the thing that Moses can't do is that he can't make atonement. Folks, this is not a story about parties. It's not a story about how wicked you and I are. It's a story about how God will ultimately provide atonement for a sin-loving people like us. And he's going to do it through a mediator. The only way that any of us will stand comfortably before in the presence of this God is through a mediator. And his name is not Moses. God himself will make atonement through the only innocent one that ever lived. And his name is Christ Jesus. The only way that God will receive any of us is through a mediator. That mediator's name. You know. Our Father, we thank you for a a glimpse into how you work with sinners, a glimpse of responding to a mediator and punishing him in the place of the guilty ones and i pray oh god that you will remind us that there is no there is no relationship with you without the mediator that the verdict is in we're guilty and it is either through Christ that we come before you or we will not come at all and through Christ the verdict has become forgiven we the sin-loving people have been forgiven by a god who delights In the finished work of His Son, Jesus. Oh God, we are a people who are alive because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and for no other reason. We pray this, of course, in Jesus' name.